0: A horrific disaster turns into family fun for everyone. And then we travel back to the world of folk tales, where we tell the story of a little blind boy and a talking bird. I hadn't heard of it either. Well we'll look at both of those today on the episode where I have to have done in 30 minutes, Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day, too. If you listened to yesterday's episode, you know that I am waiting for a shuttle to take me to the airport. The shuttle arrives at 7.30. It's 6.30 now. I still gotta put my clothes on, but everything's packed up. Now, when I say I have to have this episode done in a half hour, technically that's correct. But I don't want you to think it's a rushed episode. I had all these stories pre-planned out. It's not like I'm just scrolling through my bookmarks going, Oh, there's one! That one looks funny. But let's go ahead and get started with the episode. So, you know, it's funny because when you look at the Conspiracy Iceberg, there's a ton of stuff on there. And you see these and you're like, oh, wow, that looks interesting. English travel. Oh, that looks interesting. Medieval found footage. One of them was something called the Legend of Callow's Pit or Callow's Pit. This was actually on the Conspiracy Iceberg. I was like, oh, I'll look that up. The Treasure of Callow Pit is actually what it was called. (sighs) I look it up, and I immediately regretted spending just five minutes even looking at it. Because it is an old folktale about these two dudes in Britain, and there's this bog. There's And you're like, Jason, if you didn't want reading it, why are you reading it to us? Okay, I'll skip to the ending. Two dudes are in Britain. There's a bog. There's a bunch of water in it and a bunch of gross stuff. One day, the bog is a little bit lower. So they said, hey, let's pull a treasure out of there. Okay, I don't know why they thought there's treasure down there. They stick a hook down there. They reach in, they grab a treasure chest, they pull the hook up, they pull the treasure chest up, and and they get it and they go, Not even old Nick can get it from us now. Sounds like a weird thing to say. Did they say that all the time? Like they're at Dairy Queen, they order Sunday, they it's handed not even old Nick can get this now. But anyways, they say that, and then the devil comes out of the pit, grabs the box of gold or whatever was in it, yanks it back down, the little hook thingy not the hook thingy, the little uh uh, what's that thing called, the little ring on the treasure chest, you know, that you, like, you lift it by? Handle, I guess was the word I was looking for. The handle breaks off, and then that handle was used as the knocker on the church door. The end. Why is that on the Conspiracy Iceberg? That, that more than anything, made me a little, like, uh, maybe this iceberg's not, not good. Maybe this is just a bad thing altogether. But it's on the iceberg. I wanted to get that out there. But, From finding the Kalos Pit, I found a website that was nothing but folk stories. Now, I really liked my Tailey Poe episode about folk stories. I know I actually said I was going to do this story second, but I've already started doing it. So, while I was looking for Kalos Pit and being disappointed, I found a website of folk stories. And some of them are flat out bizarre, which makes sense because they're folk stories. They're passed around, people are making stuff up all the time. They're kind of trying to teach a lesson more than anything. But I found this story, and I was like, what the hell is going on in this story? I was constantly being shocked by just how ridiculous it could get. I was just constantly being like, what is going on in this story? This is the story, and I had never heard it before. I don't think anyone's ever heard it before, but I could be wrong on that, because halfway through the story, I realized they were in a totally different location than where I thought they were originally at. And you'll see what I mean. This is the story of the blind boy and the loon. Wah, 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 like a bird. Loon. Not like a lunatic running through the woods, capturing children and blinding them. There's a blind boy, his sister, and his stepmom. They're all living together. The blind boy is an amazing hunter. He hunts on sound and smell and possibly taste, if the creature's close enough. But he can't see him. So he's like the daredevil of hunting. And his stepmom hated his guts. Absolutely couldn't stand the kid. Now, I don't know how old any of the people are in this story, but I'm going to assume, I kept picturing the boy and the girl, probably like late teens, maybe, but I could be wrong. Late teens, the stepmom will say she's 30. She's probably a MILF. She's probably a MILF. Okay, so that's the setup. So a picture where you think that story took place. I thought it took place in merry old England. Or maybe, you know, like, I don't know, maybe Sweden or something like that, but a place with trees and a forest. You're a hunter, right? Then after the whole just set up the family dynamic, I get to this sentence. One day in spring, when food was short and when the ice in the window was melted, a huge bear smelling meat attacked the ice hut. What? If it's going to take place in Eskimo land or it's going to take place in a place where people live in ice, tell me that. In the beginning, say there was a cold wintry day in Eskimo Land. Like, don't start me off picturing like a gingerbread house and a bunch of people living in it, and then all of a sudden I realize their house is melting. Like that is a plot point that's going on. Their ice in the window was melted. I guess that could be the ice like well, it doesn't matter because they live in an ice hut. Anyways, this giant bear shows up, just starts trashing the place. <laughs> And the boy's blind, so actually, why didn't he smell the bear coming? Because he's a super, super hunter. Beating the house up, bear's trying to get in the house. The stepmom gives the boy the bow and says, Kill the bear! Kill it! Kill, kill it! It's going to destroy all of us! It's going to kill us! He shoots... Oh, this is so funny. So he, the blind boy is able to find his target, and he shoots the bear with the arrow. And the stepmom kills it, kills the bear. Stepmom says, You missed! You missed and you shot our dog. Leave now. Get on. Leave. That was my favorite dog. I liked him more than you. She kicks the blind boy out. He, like, she exiles him, right? And the blind boy, this have later on in the story, the blind boy's thinking, wait a second. Dogs don't make a huge noise when they fall to the ground. He's like, I'm pretty sure I killed that bear. I'm pretty sure I heard 800 pounds hit the ground, but. My stepmom kicked me out of the house. She said that I shot the dog instead. So how big was their dog would be another part of the story I want to know a detail of. The little boy's kicked out, right? He goes to another snow house. And these, now they're specifically being called snow houses. So we do know it's somewhere in like the Arctic. He goes And they have dogs down there, I guess, and bears. Not polar bears. I don't know. He goes to another snow house and he's blind. Remember, this is a key point. He's blind. The new house he goes to is abandoned and it's dirty and smelly. He describes he's like, oh my god, now how smelly, first off, how smelly can ice get? Secondly, if you're blind, like blind blind, how do you know something? How do you know it's dirty? Like you can have Daredevil senses, but I don't think he's like rearranging people's like he's straightening people's pictures. You know, are you sure, if you trip on a soda can, you're like, well, that's weird. I'm in the middle of a living room. There's a soda can here. But you walk into our house and it's dirty. And I will say, if ice doesn't smell, imagine how smelly something would have to be for you to smell it on the snow. Anyways, he's in this house. He's like, this sucks. I wish I was back home, even though my stepmom hated me. I'm pretty sure I did shoot that bear. And I miss my sister. I miss my sister. Oh, and I guess I should add this, too. He didn't, she didn't kick him out of the house and he just like walked to this other snow house. She basically dragged him there and then abandoned him so he couldn't find his way back. So, quite cruel. Quite cruel woman. But a milf, actually, she could be a. It kills like an ice. Never mind, that's stupid. Okay, so he sent it home. Now, back at his house, at his old house. His stepmom and his sister were eating a bunch of <laughs> eating a bunch of bear meat, and she's like, "Oh, that was a great plan. Like now I have one less mouth to feed. We, got, me, and, me, and this girl have all this bear meat." But the sister really misses her brother, so she begins sneaking him out bear meat. And it's so funny because she this is part of the story. I'm not making this part up. She brings shows up at the boy's house, the hunter's house, and says, "Hunter boy, blind brother." I have brought you some food. I know you must be starving. Here, eat this. And he eats it and he immediately recognizes the taste of bear meat. And he's like, I knew it. That's stupid. I knew it. But here's the thing. Why didn't the sister just walk in and be like, hey, you did shoot the bear? Here's some bear meat. Like, why did she leave that detail out? She knew why he got kicked out. What if he had she had to like sit there and like she has a big smirk on her face that he can't see? And she's like, I wonder if he can tell what it is. I wonder if she'll think we're eating the dog. Like, she should have just said something. The sister begins bringing him out food. They probably had sex. I'm just saying, you know, you're up in the middle of nowhere. It's ice huts. You need to stay warm. They probably banged each other. But anyway, so the sister keeps bringing the brother food. And he's still stuck there. Now, why the sister didn't take him back? I, th- you know, the reason why I'm kind of going through this is, this. I should cut to the chase here. This story has absolutely no moral. Why someone would tell this legend to their kids, I mean, take the incest part out that I just made up, but why they would tell it. I'm going to start cutting to the chase. He ends up he's stuck at the house. There's a lake nearby. He's really depressed, and he thinks I'm just going to kill myself. And right when he's thinking about that, a A loon, a big old bird, jumps out of the water and goes, what's wrong with your eyes? (laughs) Straight to the point. What's wrong with your eyes? And he's like, well, I'm blind. And the bird's like, tell you what. This is something, maybe the loon is lunatic. This is something that a serial killer and or cult leader would do. Bizarre trial. The loon says, tell you what, I can give you your vision back. But you got to grab onto me. And I'm going to dive as deep as I can into the water. And you got to hold your breath the whole time. Can't breathe. I got to do it three times, too. It's not just one thing. So if you happen to die while we're doing this, then, you know, I'm going to have a little blind boy for lunch. I'm a carnivore bird. So anyways, holds on to his neck. They go super deep in the water. Come up to the surface. Little boy's like, oh, I can see. I can see light. And then they go back to the bottom and then come up. And the boy's like, I can see. I can see shapes. And then they go back super deep, super deep. The kid's like turning blue. He's starting to see the little light. He's starting to see the Lord come through the the clouds at him. And he's like, oh, that's weird. He comes back up. I can see. He can see everything. So now he realizes that he's cured. He goes back to his old house, bow and arrow in hand. And the first thing he realizes when he walks through the door is how messy that house was. So apparently, like, I guess one of the moral moral of the stories is clean your house. Because you don't know when blind people will show up. Or when blind people will... Get their vision back. Oh, and the loon says, Don't tell the stepmom you got your vision back. It'll be super hilarious if you don't tell her you got your vision back. He shows back up at the house and he's like, Hey, I found my way back here. Then he looks over at his sister and his sister kind of like bites her lip and like, mm, Yeah, my brother's back. So, anyways, the stepmom's like, Good, good, because we need more food. That dog only fed us for like four months and she's wearing a bearskin, like bearskin gloves. There's a bearskin rug on the floor. She's like, oh, those are just dogs. Those are just big, giant dogs. Let's go hunt whales. So they go out to the ocean. I don't, again, what is is going on in the story? They go to the ocean, and there's a giant whale and a little whale swimming by. And again, he's still pretending he's blind, so he's, like, bumping into stuff. And she said, shoot that little whale. I'll help aim your bow. Shoot the little whale. We can't shoot the big whale out there. And then we'll drag it to shore and eat it? So apparently now these people aren't just Eskimos, but they're Nephilim. They're basically like 10 feet tall superhuman giants who can drag whales to shore. The blind boy's still pretending he's blind. He goes to shoot the little whale. Her plan to drag it back to shore is she's going to wrap the rope around her waist. Now you you see where this is going. She wraps the rope around her waist and they're going to shoot the little whale, which still has to be like four tons. Shoot the little whale, and then she'll brace it, and they'll drag it onto shore. Which, at that point, she'll probably say, Oh no, our dog was swimming, and you shot that instead. Anyways, pulls back the arrow, and the loon shows up, grabs the arrow, flies it farther out to sea, and puts it on the big whale, and the big whale takes off and drags the stepmom, clawing and screaming into the water. She says, help me, help me, you need me, you're blind, you can't help yourself, you need me. And the blind boy turns to her and he goes, I'm not blind anymore. No! <laughs> Stepmom gets dragged out to sea. Who is that story for? What is There's no moral lesson, what's the moral lesson, don't be blind? talk to talking birds who tell you to drown three times what is the moral of that story i don't get it and i read that i'm thinking there's so many bizarre details in it plus there's no real redemption he just found a magical way to get his vision back and then he murders somebody then he goes home and bangs his sister now yes i did add in the incest subplot makes it a little more interesting but i was just like who is this story intended for which made it perfect for me to waste 16 minutes telling you about it. I love that story, though. I love that story. They should make a movie based on that. They could have, let's see, who would we cast as the blind boy? Never mind, I've wasted enough time on this story. But you know what? Iceberg conspiracy theory list, this is what you deserve. Don't put stupid stuff on there like Kalos Pit, because then I have to start reading about blind boys banging their sisters. Going from that story of familial... I know I didn't pronounce that right. Going from that story of a loving family, let's take a quick look at Daegu, South Korea. Daegu, South Korea. It's a place, obviously, but more importantly, we're looking at the year 2003. And even more importantly, we're looking at February 18th. So Daegu, some of you guys, I, I'm probably not pronouncing it right. It basically sounds like I was saying Ragu, but Daegu... But you're just going to have to go with me on this. My shuttle shows up very shortly. I spent way too much time talking about that blind boy. But I got to take my time with this. Because this is an interesting one. Just from the way that everything played out. Try not to laugh because I know what's coming. So Kim Dae Han was this dude. He had a stroke. He couldn't work. He was super depressed. He lost his job. I know it's a great way to start this, right? After the blind boy story. He's 56 years old. And he wants to kill himself. But there's a problem. He also doesn't like being alone. He doesn't want to die alone. So technically that's not suicide. That's something else. But he doesn't want to die alone. So he doesn't go on a shooting spree. Doesn't, you know, I guess he doesn't have any loved ones to kill. This sounds flippant, I'm sorry, but again, I know where this is coming. It's such so bizarre how it ends. But in the beginning, he says, I don't want to die by myself. I don't maybe he didn't necessarily want to kill other people, he just didn't want to be alone when he died. And again, just, you know, jump off a building into a crowd of people, crowd surf from 10 stories high. He decides to get two milk cartons, fill them full of flammable liquid, and take a ride on a subway. The subway in Daegu. He gets on train 1079. And people are sitting on the train. It's early morning, so it's mostly full of college students and young women going to their jobs in the retail district. And he's sitting there on the train, and people are just kind of going about their business, reading their newspapers. And someone notices that he pulls out these jugs out of his duffel bag. He sits them down, and then he starts, like, trying to find a lighter. And then he gets it, and he's trying to light it. And at this point, people are getting really suspicious. I'm sure they could smell... The chemicals as he got on, but now you see a guy fumbling with the lighter. A fight breaks out over the lighter. People are trying to stop him from doing whatever nonsense he's about to do. One of the cartons of liquid gets kicked and spilled all over the subway car. He ends up igniting the lighter. And he catches on fire. Kim catches on fire. And immediately freaks out. Oh my god, oh my god, what's going on? Oh yeah, I forgot I was going to try to commit suicide, but this totally hurts. And he jumps off the train, out of the subway car. And quite a few other people get out of the subway car as well. But the problem is, is that you had, it wasn't just one subway car. You had all the all the cars connected together as the subway works. And the installation that was between like the outer metal shell and the inner metal shell. So you had like the outside, and then you had some insulation to keep everything warm. And then on the inside, you had the rest of it, and then you had that's where the seats were and everything. The fire actually got into the insulation, installation, insula, insulation and shot through the train. So if you weren't in that car, it didn't matter. All the trains now were burning on the inside of the walls. Plastic started to melt, and everything became pitch black smoke. So people in other cars didn't know what was going on. They may have heard a struggle, but now their car was on fire in the walls where they couldn't see it, and smoke was just billowing out everywhere. Within two minutes, all six cars on that subway train were on fire. Either full on, your floor's on fire, or it was on fire in the walls, burning all of that insulation, choking black smoke. The conductor of 1079 doesn't tell... Headquarters what's going on. For whatever reason, he doesn't radio them in and go, Oh my God, my train's on fire. A guy just jumped out. He's on fire. A bunch of people ran out of a certain train, and now there's smoke everywhere. Doesn't warn anyone. Train 1080 is now pulling into the station in the opposite direction. It stops alongside 1079, so now they're both facing in different directions. Like, they're both parked next to each other now, and... The doors open up to let the people out of 1080, but just smoke is every, just everywhere at this point. So when their doors open up, 1080, they doesn't know what's going on. Black smoke begins filling the subway and they have to close the doors again. And they don't, again, they have no idea that there's a, the subway next to them is on fire. The subway train on next to them is on fire. The automatic fire detection system in the subway system detects a fire. And this is such a weird, quote-unquote, safety mechanism. What it does is it shuts down power. So all the lights go off, and the trains are stuck. The power to the, to the rails is shut off. the it's, The conductor for the train 1080 says, Hey, guys, just stay on here. Stay on the train. There's a fire next to us, but we're safe in here. Don't worry about it. Then... He's because he, he calls in radio. He he calls the headquarters. 1080 conductor calls in headquarters and says, "Hey, what am I supposed to do here? What's going on? What's going on? And they said, we're trying to figure it out. Just stay there for right now. Just stay here for right now. He tells his people stay on the train. There's smoke everywhere. We're saving our train. Eventually, though, his supervisors say, you know what? you got to get out of there. Just get out of the train. Get everyone out of the train. He panics and he pulls out the master key of the train, jumps out of his train, but his master key is what would allow everyone in his train to be able to open their doors. So now you have two trains that are stuck. One's completely on fire. The other one, the people are trapped inside. In these subway tra- subway station, and in most subway stations at the time, no fire extinguishers on the trains. No sp- like fire sprinklers in the system. No emergency lighting. Pitch black. Smoke everywhere. People trapped on trains. People crawling through over bodies, it, just trying to get away from this flame. In the end, so many people were badly burned. They they assume hundred and ninety five people died in this short, brief amount of time, burned to death. Because so many people were burned so badly, they were like, uh, "That might be a person." The only reason they came up with the number one hundred and ninety five. They had to have phone companies go through and find out who placed phone calls from that subway, to loved ones. That is some dark shit. They had to go, "Who placed a phone call from this subway?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, Sally called looks like Sally tried calling her mom and she didn't get through, and they're like, "That she must be one of the bodies." That's how badly but you you're just charred remains. In piles, trapped in these cars, insane. Because the, I guess I, should, I guess it goes without saying that the 1080 ended up catching on fire as well because they're so close to each other. 195 people burned. The only way now, Kim survived. He ended up going to prison. He got life in prison for multiple murder. Both train operators actually got sentenced to prison too for four to five years for their role, just as a safety thing. Like, they weren't following procedures. They got a bunch of people killed. It was more of, like, negligence type of murder. It was considered a national tragedy. And South Korea looked back at it and said, We think we were so focused on becoming industrialized very quick. We cut corners as a nation. We said, oh, you know, let's just hurry up and get this stuff done. We weren't thinking, like, <laughs> fire extinguishers or power not being... Let's not shut the electricity off when there's a mass casualty event. Let's try that. But you're like, Jason... Why would you tell that story right before you're about to go on a plane trip? Dude, and I got like seven minutes to finish this up, but I don't want to rush this. Because now, this is so bizarre. That story in and of itself, you're like, okay, that's a horrible tragedy. You've covered tragedies and stuff like that before. It wasn't interactive for for good reason. Now you can go to Daegu, but it is no longer a subway station. It is a theme park. It is Daegu Safety Theme Park. All this stuff is is really at yeah, this theme park. You can, there is a replica of a subway car, shaped like the one that the people horribly died in, with a twirly slide. So it's an elevated train, it's an elevated subway car, it's sticking outside of the building, and you can get on it and go, wee go down a slide out of the same style of subway car these people horribly died in, calling their loved ones choking on smoke. you can you can have the fun way out. Wee at the little twirly slide. You are showing a video. it's a documentary about the deaths, a horrible 195 deaths created by a man suffering from crippling depression. You get to watch a movie about that while you're at the theme park. And then after that after watching that movie, You get to go into a replica subway station with the real car in the subway station. So you can go now. You can go underground and you can see a car where hundreds of people died in. Not haunted at all. There's no horrible ghost residue there. And while you just watched this movie... (laughs) And then you get to see the car where these people try to claw their way out of the windows while choking smoke went in their lungs and their feet burned from the hot metal. No joke. Then, while you're in the subway, they begin to shut the lights off and pump fake smoke to let you simulate the tragedy. So you're in there. You just watch, imagine this, it's the fun safety park, or not, not fun, it's the Daegu safety theme park. You go there, you're nine, you're probably with your class, you just watch this horrible video, and then you go into the subway station with a replica car, the power, the lights start to dim, and smoke starts to billow out. Now, the website is there to let you know it is safe smoke. But I'm not worried about the physical amount of the smoke. I'm worried about the mental ramifications of watching that video. I would think ghosts were attacking me. If I went down there and no one said, okay, now we're going to pump smoke through here and we're going to shut the lights off, I would assume I was in some sort of hellish universe at this point. That I was about to get dragged into the eternity of burning to death in a subway car. And you go, okay, so that's a safety theme park. That's all they do. You go down a slide attached to a subway car. And you get to watch this video. No, there's more, because it's safety. they got to tell you about other problems in South Korea. You can learn about forest fires, which I know South Korea has forests. That makes sense. You can also learn how to escape wild pigs. Apparently, boar attacks are a big issue in South Korea. And there's an earthquake simulator. So, out of the tragedy of 195 people being burnt so badly that investigators had to listen to final voicemails of people saying goodbye to their loved ones or begging for their help. Out of that, you can now go to a theme park and learn how to escape Pumbaa. Or is it Timon? One of them. Maybe both of them. Maybe they have meerkat attacks over there as well. But out of all that tragedy, you can now learn what it's like To be in an earthquake. What I want to learn is how not to die in a subway car. And they teach you that in the most gruesome way possible. By simulating you dying in a subway car. You can actually see like phones and pieces of the stuff that's all melted. And they're like, see look how bad we were back then as far as our fire suppression technology. It's much better now. Oh no, there's smoke billowing through the walls as the power goes out. That's absolutely terrifying absolutely terrifying i can't imagine that (laughs) stunt being pulled anywhere in america i can't imagine them being like hey remember that cold columbine thing is there a way we can turn that into a theme park is there a way that we can simulate we have a documentary on columbine and then while you're watching it we simulate gunfire coming from behind you and then, as you're running out of the school simulation, we'll have wild boars attack you. So, at the same time, you can learn how to avoid wild pig attacks. I can't imagine this flying anywhere in America. I can't imagine it, but it would be hilarious if, it, if someone tried doing it. If someone tried doing it. So, that is going to be it. Today's episode, if you can't tell, was a little more nuts. <laughs> I guess the subject matter wasn't super lighthearted, but I have to go on this trip. I wanted to get a couple episodes in the can. It's possible that there will not be an episode coming out on Thursday and Friday of this week. We'll see because I'm going on the trip and then I'm coming back and all that stuff. But I wanted to get some episodes in the can for you guys. You guys have been awesome since I've come back from my break. The download numbers have been astonishing. Like you guys really did come back to the show and it looks like you guys brought some friends. So that's really, really awesome. I wanted to appreciate, say that I appreciate all that stuff. You guys are great. So I'm going to go finish getting dressed. I got 29 minutes to do it. You guys have a great day. Let me give do my outro. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day, guys.